Good morning, Bucknutters. Welcome to the Bucknuts Morning 5 here on Friday, April 22nd, 2022. I am Dave Biddle. I'm very happy to be joined by Jonah Booker for his usual Friday visit. A lot to get into as usual, Jay Book. Um, let's start with Dylan Rayola, um, the number one overall player in the country in the 2024 class, obviously quarterback from your neck of the woods there in Arizona. Um, what's the latest that you're hearing? And if you're hearing he's going to be a Buckeye, when do you think he might uh, make the call? Yeah, for right now, it sounds like Ohio State sitting pretty with this recruitment. Um, I know a lot of people were pretty much on commit watch when he was on campus. The, the telltale sign, Dave, that I always say is follow their actions, not necessarily their words. And with him canceling his visit to USC, who was considered Ohio State's main rival when it comes to this recruitment, tells me all I need to know. Uh, just from talking to people, uh, who who's very familiar with the recruitment? It sounds like it's just a matter of when, not if he's going to be a, a Buckeye. I know a lot of people believe that the there's a big seven on seven tournament that's coming up here in Arizona, and he's been asked to quarterback some of those uh, Florida teams. So people have been saying that he's going to be recruiting uh, for Ohio State during that particular event. So that right there kind of just tells you where things stand right now, and. To me, what I were what some of the things that I've been hearing is just the overall development that he will receive at Ohio State trumps anything that he's going to get elsewhere. Uh, another caveat that I've been hearing is the family is not very big on Pac-12 football. They they just think that him playing at Ohio State gives him the opportunity to play on the big stage, play under the bright lights. Whereas in the Pac-12, the fan support is severely lacking. They don't want him playing in front of a, a empty, half-empty stadiums. They really want to have him showcase his talent on the big stage and no better uh, quarterback developer than Ryan Day who's going to be able to get him there. I know a lot of people look at Lincoln Riley as someone who has done really well at the quarterback position. But one thing you have to keep in mind when it comes to Lincoln Riley his success has come from transfers. He has yet to really develop uh, a quarterback has who has come into his program from start to finish. You look at Spencer Rattler, they were banking that he was going to be the guy who that uh, Lincoln Raleigh was going to develop, and he transferred out. Caleb Williams is probably going to be the first one that he actually has the, the opportunity to develop. But you look at Caleb Williams, He's pretty much coming into the program as a potential NFL first-round type of quarterback. So as far as Ohio State, I feel really good about this recruitment. I think it's just a matter of time before we get that big boom. And once once we get that boom, Dave, it's really going to set off a chain event because we've had it in the boarding house. Ohio State has really hit the ball out of the park when it comes to recruitment. There's a lot of 2024 guys that are high-end type of talents that are on the brink of trying to commit to Ohio State, and Ohio State are advising these kids, just kind of take your time, no need to rush, take your visits. Um, how Where they're at right now is they want these kids to get their visits out of their system 
before they actually verbal because Ohio State not necessarily going to rule with the iron fist like you see Dabo where, hey, if you visit somewhere, we're going to pull your scholarship. But in today's age where the transfer portal is so lively and so active, they want these kids to be sure that they're Buckeyes. Great news on Dylan Rayola. We uh, we wait patiently. Uh, sounds like it'll be good news for the Buckeyes mm-hmm. before long. Um, we're going to get into young Buckeyes that help themselves most uh, during spring in a moment. I do want to get to a question, the first question that we had here. Uh, this comes from David. Uh, he says, good morning, guys, with our new defensive scheme. Do you think we will recruit more safeties and less linebackers in the future? They're obviously going to be starting three safeties. But as we've talked about, even though they're usually going to have just two linebackers out there, They'll mix in a Sam linebacker. That's Reed Carrico right now. Um, so a lot of three linebackers out there together sometimes. Jay Book, what do you think about that? I think they will recruit more safeties. Um, if you look at what they're trying to do with a three safety high look, you have no uh you have no choice but to recruit more safeties. It's just going to be content on getting the athletic rangy guys that they want. So the, the thing about this defense, with makes it, what makes it unique is you can go and recruit a guys that fit your actual system. It doesn't necessarily have to be the top five safeties at their position in the country. You can go and look at guys and say, hey, he may be a tweener between an actual linebacker and a safety, but he fits what we want to actually do. You look at a Sonny Styles. Sonny, a lot of people believe that Sonny Styles is – could be a, a tweener because he he's a big safety, but will he get big enough to play in the box? Well, under this type of defense, under Jim Knowles, he's a perfect fit type of guy because you can move around. He's athletic enough to play on the back end. He may not be uh, a superb cover guy as far as the safety, but you can move him into the box and really utilize his skill set. So with the safety position, I definitely think you're going to have them recruiting more at that position just uh, for the simple fact that you're going to have three of them potentially on the field at the same time. All right, let's get into uh, young Buckeyes that help themselves most during spring. Our, we're going to do a shameless plug for our friend Patrick Murphy. did a great story for the site yesterday, the 10 Buckeyes that help themselves most during the spring. I'm going to read the names off to you. Now, I helped Pat put the, the list together, so don't blast the list too much if you don't agree with it. But we're going to say if we agree with this list, which I helped put together, so we'll say if you agree with it, and maybe if there's a, a couple of omissions, not necessarily omissions, maybe if we added a couple to it, you know, who, who might some of those guys be or if we added maybe five to it, however we want to do it. All right, here's the 10 guys that helped themselves most during the spring, according to Pat and yours truly. Evan Pryor, Jordan Hancock, this is in no particular order. Evan Pryor, Jordan Hancock, Kai Stokes, Joe Royer, Jack Sawyer, JTT, Mayan Williams. I don't think we're talking enough about Mayan Williams. He, I know Evan Pryor stole the show, but I thought Mayan looked great. We talked about that when you hosted Spaces earlier this week on Twitter, which is really cool that you're doing that for the people, Jay Book. So Mayan Williams is one of the 10. Donovan Jackson starting at left guard. Also, they like him so much they're making sure – He's taking second team reps with left tackle at left tackle just in case. They love Donovan Jackson, former five star, um, played a little bit as a true freshman last year. Tommy Eichenberg is a guy that Ryan Day himself singled out. And then G. Scott Jr. Those are the 10. Do you agree with those 10? And if you had to add anybody to the list, who would it be? I do agree with that 10. I have two guys that I would actually add to that list is Dewan Jones. And the reason I say Dewan Jones is because. After that Rose Bowl, he was on the brink of deciding if he wanted to go to the NFL or go back to college. 
Uh, a lot of people were encouraging him. He needed another year within the program. So I think Dewan Jones really helped himself overall uh, because I think that if he can have a great year under Justin Fry, he really made a smart business decision coming back to Ohio State because he's going to be able to potentially increase his draft stock. And the thing about Dewan is he needed to get stronger. He's athletic enough, but we, I think we had issues with Dewan playing next to an actual tackle. So I think he helped himself overall, and I think it also helped the program because you look at the depth on the offensive line. If they would have lost Dewan Jones to the NFL draft, that would have been a major hole at the tackle position, especially where uh, Fryer out hurt for the spring. So Dewan is one name. And then I have to give a shout-out to one of my River Rats, Reed Carrico. I mean, he he's a guy that you don't hear his name quite often, but it sounds like that he's going to be one of the guys that plugs right in at that same position once they go three linebackers on the field going against a Michigan type of run team or a, uh, a, a Wisconsin or an Iowa type of run team. So just the fact that a guy in Reed Carrigal, who we didn't hear very much about last year, coming from a smaller program down there in Southern Ohio, has really worked his way up the depth chart to where he's considered one of those guys who are going to be plugged right in with those first-team linebackers whenever they throw three guys out there on the field. I'm glad you brought him up. Like Reed Carrick has definitely got to help himself this spring. You know, I don't know if you'd put him, slot him in maybe – ahead of any of the guys, the 10 guys, but certainly he right. um, should be on the list. And uh, I can't wait till I get a chance to interview him next. I'm going to ask him, I'm going to say, are you cool with the nickname, the river rat? You know, <laughs> you know, he's one of the river rats. I'm, I just yeah. want to make sure that he's cool with that. Um, you know, Jay book himself, a river rat there. Jay book from Portsmouth, of course, Reed Carrico from Ironton. So there you go. Um, maybe it has to be one of those things where you have to be down from there to be able to call somebody that we'll, we'll find out. We'll find out. Yeah. Yeah. All right, I want to get to this because this is one we had in the boarding house today. Shameless plug there. If you're a Bucknut subscriber, get over right now. The boarding house has been posted. What in the world is going on with no ruggles? They have, this is coming from Bucknuts 88. What's, what's the deal with offering the U S kicker when we have ruggles? Um, Here's the thing, man. Ruggles was missing in action during spring. I always thought that was weird. I wasn't just buying that Ryan Day was going to set the precedent of, yeah, just go ahead and take spring off. Yeah, even though you're – and especially a kicker. And I know he was a fantastic kicker. This tells me, reading between the lines, and we had a former player weigh in on this, um, nothing's official yet. For them to offer this USC – this isn't a preferred walk-on. This would be a scholarship kid coming here. He would have three years left, and he was a good kicker for the Trojans. You couple that, them offering this kicker a scholarship in the portal, and Ruggles being missing in action for spring, that tells me Ruggles is, is not coming back for whatever reason. This is just me spitballing. I think it's an educated guess, though. And, and they're going to get this kid from USC. And I think, I don't know what's going on with Ruggles, but it doesn't sound like he's coming back, Jay Book. What else makes sense? Yeah, you're right. Uh, usually when something like this mysteriously happens behind the scenes when guys are missing or just something doesn't smell white, uh, right when it comes to the players. There's usually some type of underlying thing that is boiling and that will, you know, eventually come to the surface sooner or later. And with Ohio State being old, currently over the scholarship limit, uh, today's the, the 22nd. They got to get down to that limit by May 1st. Um, well, players can actually opt out uh, into the transfer portal by May 1st if they want to be eligible. So for Ohio State, they're going to get down to their numbers. So with them offering the USC kicker, they feel that 
they're going to get to their numbers. And as you mentioned, they don't think that uh, Ruggles are, will be back. I know Dace said he'll be back this fall, but who knows what's going on? We don't know. Um, but you definitely want to go into that Notre Dame game, having your kickers situation solidified. Yeah, no doubt about it. It is uh, – it's a – it's just clear as day to me. They wouldn't be going after this USC kicker if Noah Ruggles was coming back. They wouldn't have two kickers on scholarship when they are, they're still two over right now. I said on right. yesterday's show they were one over. They're actually two over. Now, that'll take care of itself. I'm, I am never, ever worried about that situation. Yeah, I agree. We have Matt saying we didn't mention Caden Curry. I thought Caden Curry looked good. Um, there's a lot of guys we could mention. We mentioned the 10. We added a few, like Reed Carrico. I think Caden Curry's another guy you could throw in there. Somebody else mentioned uh, – Keon Grays looks like a, a young Chris Olave. It's a lot to put on him, but I like Keon Grays. I love his attitude. Um, you know, I think uh, Keon Grays, if he's anywhere near Chris Olave, we're all going to be very happy. Let me get into this real quick, Jay Book. Um, speaking of Chris Olave, now, you know it's a good problem to have when you have two first-round picks guaranteed in Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson. Garrett Wilson probably go before Olave. But after that, it's a pretty weak class for Ohio State standards. Now, these are – Sky high standards, but looking at all the mock drafts now, they don't have any Buckeyes going in the second round. They have Olave and Wilson in the first round. No Buckeyes. I've been reading a lot of mock drafts. Nobody in the second round. NPF in the third round. Maybe Ruckert in the third round. I thought Ruckert might be second round, third round. He's now maybe third round, maybe fourth round. Same thing for Munford. They're saying third round, maybe fourth round. Fourth round for Haskell Garrett. We'll see about Tyreek Smith, maybe fifth round, sixth round. I don't know what you think about that. Master Teague, seventh round, undrafted free agent. Again, for most programs, this would be a banner year for Ohio State. It's like, man, kind of a downer of a year other than the top two picks, which bodes well for the 2022 season, I will say. They're not, they don't have heavy losses this year, especially on defense. Your thoughts on this draft class other than Wilson and Olave? You think it's pretty weak? I, I would say it's a weaker class, and a lot of people throughout the season – uh, felt that a lot of the upperclassmen were getting the benefit of the doubt. They thought that the talent, the really uh, true natural talent were with the younger guys here. And it doesn't, and it shows that here on the, um, the NFL draft is coming up next week. But you look at those guys, you hoping for the best with them. I think that Ohio State players, once they get into the actual NFL, they're going to stick. You look at Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson, those guys are going to be, uh, they're going to be generational wealth type of guys when it comes to their NFL contracts. Cause you look at the wide receiver position and those contracts that you're, that you're seeing from the wide receiver position, it's second behind the quarterbacks. Right. And because of, because of that, you're going to see wide receivers go off the board fairly quick. I was just listening to uh, Mel Kuyper and Todd McShay's draft draft podcast. And they're saying that they believe there's going to be seven, maybe eight, wide receivers that go in the first round this year, which will be a, a NFL record. And I, I've said it time and time again, you look at the contracts that these NFL wide receivers are getting and it's perfect timing for Ohio, Ohio state essentially being wide receiver. You because it's only going to attract more high end wide receivers. Now we can get it. We can go down the line and open the can of worms and say, yeah, the, it, it makes sense that you're going to attract the top wide receivers, but the only roadblock in that might be NIL that might, that might prevent Ohio state getting guys that they normally would get. But as far as the actual NFL draft, I'm just excited to see where those guys go, even though it's not a banner year, 
it gets me pumped up just seeing their names called and seeing it scroll across the bottom of the screen and just seeing how those guys do. And uh, I've been seeing a lot of mock drafts where the Ravens are looking at MPF. That makes sense. He, he looks like a, a guy that would go to Baltimore and probably play right away as, as an actual starter. He's a pro bowler. Yeah. 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 They, and they draft and, so damn well and it pisses me off. Yeah. And watch Baltimore getting like in the third or fourth round and he'd be right. absolutely uh, a right. steal because he would be a day one starter. Same with Mumford. <laughs> watch Mumford go to Pittsburgh or somewhere and be a day, one, <laughs> a day one starter. But that's how it is with Ohio no, State right. players. You're right. Right? you're right. The Steelers – the Ravens always draft great. The Steelers have a history of not only taking really good Buckeyes, but guys that I personally really like, like Cam Hayward, Ryan Shazier. Ryan Shazier. We know everything that happened with Shazier, the tragic way that um, his career ended. I mean, at least – I mean, it could have been worse. At least uh, my guy's able to walk, uh, but that ended his career. Um, Cam Hayward's still playing. I love those guys. It's Antonio Holmes. Stop doing that, Steelers. Stop it. Right. They even drafted Mike Vrabel, but then – he didn't really make it with them. And then of course we know what happened that he goes to the Patriots and then the rest is history. I do want to get to this. Um, a lot of people, um, let's see, we have questions. What's the, uh, yeah, a lot of people are asking about Richard Young. We'll credit Marcus. Even I think we've had many questions about uh, Richard Young. Um, what are you hearing about running back Richard Young? They definitely want two in this class. They already have one in, in uh, the 2023 class. Um, they obviously still want Richard Young. You know, do you feel like it's a long shot? Do you feel like it's 50-50? What do you, uh, Buckeyes are leading. What do you think about Richard Young and the Buckeyes, Jay? Yeah, from all indications right now, if you're uh, believing the, the crystal balls, then Steve Wolfon just put a confidence six crystal ball of Richard Young going to Alabama. For the longest period of time, a lot of people have always said is going to be an Ohio State or Alabama type of battle here. I just think that it was – I don't. I I believe in uh, coincidences to a, a certain extent. Right after Mark Fletcher commits, all of a sudden the crystal ball for Richard Young goes to actual Alabama. Uh, as you mentioned, Ohio State's going to look at two guys. Um, Cedric Baxter Jr. is another guy that they're really high on. That Ohio State is right in the thick of the things with. I truly believe they need to be able to get Richard Young back on the campus because every time he visits there, he loves it. He's been there so many times right now. The guy has paid his way to go to Ohio State at least two or three different times, get them back up there for a game, uh, an official visit, roll out the red carpet, and make it tough for Alabama. I know that they want to get uh, two more guys in here, so you probably have to see um, where, where he goes first before you actually take Cedric Baxter because Richard Young is a primetime player. He's a guy that you look like he looks like he could be someone that contributed as a freshman. He's that talented. I love his game. But Cedric Baxter Jr., he's an absolute stud. So if you can finish with one of those two with Mark Fletcher, then I would call that an absolute home run. Yeah, this uh, it's good. This class is shaping up shockingly, right? Uh, to be another great class. You know, 2021 was an absolute banner class. I like this 2022 class as well. That 2021 class, what I love. The super sophomores always seem to get it done. Well before our time, the 68 Buckeyes, the super sophomores, won the national championship. The 2014 team, I nicknamed them. I don't think I'm the only one. Super sophomores, too. Uh, a lot of sophomores and redshirt freshmen on that team. Like Darren Lee was a redshirt freshman. Von Bell was a sophomore. Uh, Joey Bosa was a sophomore. On and on and on. JT Barrett, redshirt freshman. It's a bunch of second-year guys in that 2014 team. 
this 2021 class, Jay Book, that play the bunch of guys played and even started as true freshmen last year, I think they're going to take a huge jump as sophomores. We might be looking at a great season this year. So uh, great stuff, as always, from Jay Book. I appreciate it, Jonah. Um, thanks to all of the viewers out there and listeners for tuning in. We appreciate that very much. Hope everyone has a great day and a great weekend. Bye.